0: Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Safari Zoo News, your look at all the things going on in the worlds of zoos, aquariums, conservation, and general animal weirdness. I'm excited to have you all here, and uh, it has been an interesting week. This is uh, my last week of MDQ at uh, Media Theater, and uh, it's been a fun run. And I am looking at some different and really exciting performance opportunities and potential opportunities coming up. But uh, I'm not going to talk about any of those yet until I've signed some contracts and we've seen what's happening. Uh, I actually have a gig coming up soon with uh, my original show, uh, Under the Sun, which has now been renamed Sun Records Live, but will always be Under the Sun to me. Um, But it's a private gig and I'm not allowed to talk about it. So uh, how weird is that? I'm going to go play a show that I can't tell anyone about. But um, yeah, it's my original show and uh, it'll be performed in front of a couple thousand people. And I can't tell you anything else about it. So that's weird. Um, And that's kind of my life. My life is weird. Uh, But you know what? I'm going to skip ahead to the other stuff, the non-my-life stuff, because frankly, I had the opportunity to hang out with Miles instead of recording this podcast when I normally do. And I took it. So uh, I had a great day with the kid, had a wonderful time. And now this podcast is supposed to come out in like an hour and a half, and I haven't really started it yet. So, um, yeah, let's get to that. Ross safari Zoo News, crowdsourced. If you see a story that you think would be fitting for zoo news go ahead and tag me in it at rossafari on the socials at rossafari pod on tiktok or email it to me rossafari pod at gmail.com and i'll say your name at the end of the episode and you'll feel very special and life will be wonderful or something i don't know anyway let's get to it All right, y'all. So um, I'm going to warn you, the first couple stories here are not the most positive, but we will get two positive stories, including the fact that, uh, you know how I normally do the births and deaths part? We don't have any major deaths to discuss this week, just a bunch of cool births. So don't worry, there is joy coming. But for now, uh, I don't know if you've heard about this, but um, the world is on fire figuratively, and Canada is actually literally on fire, and it is spreading um, like ash and smoke all through the north and east of the United States. It's crazy. And I'm dropping this in zoo news for a couple of reasons, mainly because it's a top story and uh, really shouldn't wait until other news, but also because it has led to a ton of zoos either having to alter their hours Or close completely. Zoos as far apart as the Buffalo Zoo, the Philly Zoo, uh, Ross Park Zoo, uh, the National Zoo, have all had to close early or shut down for the day because of wildfires that are happening in Canada. And the, uh, the wind is blowing it down to the United States. Um, All of the WCS parks had to close down early, which are the the New York City zoos. Uh, There was a period of time where New York City actually had the worst air quality of any city in the world. And then the day after that, today, uh, Thursday, the 8th, the day that I'm recording this, Philadelphia took the crown from New York and had the worst air quality in the world. So lucky us, question mark. Um, But, you know, I bring this up not just because it's kind of really interesting, not just because it affected a ton of zoos, but also because this is something that I think people sometimes fail to understand. National borders don't mean poop when it comes to things like conservation and protecting wildlife and protecting habitats and dealing with climate change. Like, these are all global problems. And I have to tell you that the, the issue uh, that, that Canada is facing right now is a climate change problem. Um, You know, it, this is affecting uh, the forestry in Canada is drier than usual because of climate change, which makes it burn at an exceptional rate. Uh, lightning strikes from storms have been increasing in frequency, which leads to a higher number of wildfires. And uh, there's also more windy weather in Canada that will fan the flames further. So these are all directly related to climate change and are causing these wildfires, which are not only devastating Canada, but are also causing problems in the United States. Gosh, you can tell this is a U.S. person doing this podcast because there are literally wildfires ravaging Canada and my initial take on it was oh but it's making things bad in america and and you know that goes back to what we're talking about there these borders don't really matter um and the crazy thing about this is this is not just a one time thing okay it's the first time we're seeing it happen but these climate change conditions are going to continue it is expected that western canada is predicted to see a increase in dry, windy, wildfire-producing weather over the next few years, and that eastern Canada is predicted to see a 200 to 300% increase in that same type of weather. So this is not a weird, freaky thing that happened once that we'll all go tell our grandkids about someday. Unless things improve, this is going to be a major problem that we continue to have. We will have wildfires in Canada. We have wildfires in California. And all of this leads to all kinds of major problems and also zoos closing, which is why it's in Zoo News. I know. That's tenuous at best. But it is something that is really worth understanding and really is important to deal with and to, to change. And I still see climate change deniers denying that this is a thing and it boggles my mind um if you're one of those people you're wrong sorry science disagrees with you and also the friggin smoke that i was inhaling while on stage in philadelphia because canada is burning disagrees with you um so yeah uh, i'm i'm guessing most of my podcast audience is very aware of the fact that that is the case but um i just wanted to share that with all of you and how it's affecting zoos but also just really matters outside of that and uh speaking of devastating news and also speaking of non-us centric news there is some really sad news out of ukraine Um, There's an area in Ukraine that is currently occupied by Russian forces known as Nova Kakova, and um, there was a zoo that was in this area, and um, Russian invaders chose to blow up the Kakova Dam in the area, which completely flooded the zoo and the area around it. This caused not only multiple human deaths, but the deaths of 300 animals that were at the zoo and were loved by their local community. There were monkeys, ponies, donkeys, raccoons, um, parrots, crows, marmots, goats, sheep, uh, guinea pigs, ferrets, and many other small animals that lived there. And out of all the animals that lived there, only a couple of swans and ducks survived. Even a uh, small swan signet born only five days before the flooding perished. It was so sad. And this has been an ongoing struggle to keep these animals alive the whole time. The uh, Russians actually mined the zoo and blocked all roads getting there. So it became impossible to evacuate the animals like many other zoos in Ukraine did. Um, a year ago, they had a huge uh, fundraiser to collect uh, funds to buy food. And they also got a ton of help from farmers in the area. And even just local people who love the animals would drop vegetables off and send in their individual money to help the animals. The entire winter, they managed to survive without electricity and heat. Uh, one of the workers that lived near the zoo actually took all of the warmth loving animals, which was over 60 of them, to her home. All of the animals survived until the spring and then returned to the zoo. Two workers were risking their lives every single day to go to the zoo under fire to feed and care for the animals. And then at the end of all of this, the Russian forces destroyed a dam. And wiped out not only human lives, but all of those animal lives that so many people were fighting so hard for. It is a disgusting look at one of the many terrible effects of war. And uh, condolences to, to everyone in that area. It's just terrible to hear this kind of story. All right, I'm going to hit y'all with one more rough story, and then we're going to get to a good one, I promise. But this one's also really important, so we got to put it at the top here. On Sunday night, there was a fire at Metro Richmond Zoo. I'm going to come out and say right at the top of this, even though the fire caused a lot of problems, it could have been way Way worse, and it's also worth mentioning that the community, um, both in the Metro Richmond area and also online, has just been giving a huge outpouring of love, which I am so happy to see and is so important. Um, the fire broke out uh, around nine fifty p.m. And uh, it started in the zoo's workshop area and spread to the animal hospital feed storage room and zookeeper service area. Uh, The really amazing news is that, first of all, none of those are animal areas except for the vet hospital. And uh, there were 10 total animals in the buildings that caught on fire, and nine were rescued and are currently doing well. One meerkat who was receiving care in the animal hospital did pass away, and that is terrible. But given that it was a multi-building fire, it's actually really incredible news that they only lost one animal. That's, That's really, really cool um the damage to the buildings is significant uh the buildings will have to be completely demolished and completely rebuilt um and they were uh really important areas so they've also lost all kinds of vet equipment like um x-ray and anesthesia machines uh, and just, yeah, there's there's all kinds of stuff. Uh, as a matter of fact, even six of the golf carts that the staff used were reduced to nothing more than metal frames. Um, and the staff also lost many personal belongings uh, that were left in the break room. So this is really, really a tough time for Metro Richmond Zoo. And if you go to their social media, you can find many ways that you could help out. Uh, donations, not only of money, but they're looking for certain things to help rebuild and, and to restock those areas areas um but yeah i'm just i'm just so grateful that all the humans and all the animals but one were okay it's amazing that the staff and firefighters were able to get this blaze under control and uh take care of so many animals that's they are absolute heroes all right enough tough news for now. We've got some really cool news from our friends at the Cincinnati Zoo and specifically their CREW team, which you've heard some of on the podcast. That is the Center for Conservation and Research of Endangered Wildlife. Uh, And CREW teamed up with Massachusetts General Hospital and Hore Gene Therapy Center to publish a really cool study that could change the lives of so many domestic cats i know that's not what you were expecting here but this is awesome you see crew scientists have officially come up with and had positive testing of a non-surgical contraceptive alternative for cats What this means is that there's a very good chance that we could humanely reduce free-roaming cat populations and eliminate shelter euthanasia of many healthy cats. You see, it is estimated that there are between 30 and 80 million free-roaming cats in the United States, and many of those cats get taken into shelters where they're not rescued and then have to be euthanized even though they're healthy. But these cats also cause all kinds of problems to bird populations, and I mean, literally they are an invasive species when you think about it. It's weird to think about, like, you know, old little kitty as an invasive species, but that's exactly what they are, so think of any effects of an invasive species, and that's what these uh, cat populations do. Um, Unfortunately, up until now, there has been no type of contraceptive that is capable of producing permanent sterilization in companion animals, Uh, and so instead the cats need to be surgically spayed, which is expensive, time consuming, and takes, like, you know, recovery and drugs and all kinds of stuff, uh, which is a hard thing to do for possibly 80 million cats that can't pay. And it also requires like trapping the animals and stuff. It's it's really an issue. So, um, six female cats at Crew were treated with gene therapy. And uh it seems to have worked. Uh they are all uh sterile. None of them have had any side effects. And uh, this is something that is really easy to do. This is actually really cool. I actually, when I was at crew with Dr. Curry, um, who if you haven't heard her episode yet, Dr. Aaron Curry, it's it's amazing, you need to go back and listen to it. But I got to see these cats that they were doing these trials on. And I mean, they're just cats, but it was really, really, really cool um, just to see them and know that they might be the future of this. And now they became the future of this. Um And so, yeah, um all of the cats that were in the study have now been adopted, most of which were just taken home by crew and other Cincinnati Zoo staff that fell in love with them, of course, because cats are awesome. But this is a really big deal. And if this can be implemented easily and cost effectively, uh, could really have a huge impact on not only the domestic cat problem that we have, but also the rest of wildlife that is affected by said problem. So, yay, Crew, Cameron Park Zoo recently announced that one of their staff members is on their way to Borneo to go through an exchange program that they are part of with the Borneo Orangutan Survival Foundation. So this staff member gets to go to Borneo and work with this incredible foundation and learn and uh, get a deeper understanding and love of conservation and just all those good things. And the best part is, if you go to Instagram at CP Zoo, they will be posting updates and letting you take part in watching the adventure. So uh, that's really cool, and I hope you all check it out and encourage the zoo to keep doing more stuff like this, which is awesome. Zoo Montana has announced that they have installed new sensory guides throughout the park. Each guide sign highlights a rating system that alerts guests as to what to expect in terms of the five senses. They've also launched new sensory bags for checkout, which contain fidgets, ear protection, and sunglasses to help guests deal with sensory issues should they need it. This is all part of a uh, commitment to autism accessibility and I think is really cool. Nice job, Zoo Montana. All right, y'all, and that brings us to our births for the week. And I have to start off by saying that I'm very mad at all of you. And the Internet in general and, and all of the things that are supposed to show me things I care about because all of you have failed me. I'm, I'm kidding, kind of. But Woodland Park Zoo recently announced the birth of not one, but two matchy's tree kangaroo joeys at the zoo. The father is male tree kangaroo Rocket, and the mothers are Elena and Omari. The joeys have not yet been named. But y'all, there are two new tree kangaroo joeys at Woodland Park Zoo, and none of you told me about this. This was something that I stumbled upon on my own. How did none of the algorithms tell me that? How did none of you tell me that? I'm brokenhearted. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But what I really am, is really excited because, as y'all know, well, first of all, I love Matchy's tree kangaroos, but then on top of that, there just aren't a whole lot born every year. So two born at one facility is an amazing achievement. Go rock it. All right. Um, But yeah, I just... Oh, it just makes me so happy. Tree kangaroo joeys are the best. Actually, uh, today, the day that I'm recording this, um, it's one year ago that I finally made it to the Bronx Zoo to uh, see the joey that was there at the time. And, and since then, y'all know that I've gotten hang out with Paya, the, the joey up at Roger Williams Park Zoo. And, and life is good and tree kangaroos are good. So yay, tree kanglets. That one just doesn't work as well but that's okay speaking of babies the jacksonville zoo just announced that for the first time in 10 years they have welcomed a baby jaguar a jaglet now that one works uh so the the cub is not making its public debut yet but it is uh doing very well and actually if you go to the lost temple area of the jacksonville zoo which by the way is an incredible area of an incredible zoo uh you can um actually see video of mom and baby in their behind-the-scenes dens, which I think is just really adorable. The Milwaukee County Zoo has announced that they have a female Bactrian camel calf there, uh, or as I would say, of course, a camlet, which I really like and rhymes with hamlet. So um, this is actually the uh, fourth calf born to the parents, um, AJ and Stan, and uh, it is the first time that they've had a female calf there. So that is very exciting for them and for all of the guests there. The uh, Zoo's Victoria in Australia has announced that at their Werribee Open Range Zoo, lioness Nilo has welcomed a litter of lilacs rhymes with violets okay okay they're lion cubs um but they are doing really well they are also behind the scenes uh probably will be for the first eight weeks of their lives before they start to head out um but it's always exciting to see when lilacs are born yeah i know i can't i just can't help myself (laughs) y'all i apologize no i don't Uh, And actually, our next birth is from our friends at the Greensboro Science Center who have been just doing an amazing work with uh, the whole having babies thing. That's, God, that's a weird way to put that. But yeah, they've had some really cool births lately. So we've talked about the bentlets, which, by the way, If you are listening to this today, the day it came out, uh, Friday, uh, June 9th, then their names will be announced at noon. The naming contest happened in between Zoo Newses, so I didn't get to talk about it on here, but um, I want to thank all of my fans who have been voting for the names that I requested. Uh, There is a reason behind it, and I think we're going to get it. I think I know a lot of you told me you reached out, so hopefully the Safari bump does its work and um, the bentlets are named. But now... Uh, the um, Greensboro Science Center has announced the birth of Kiwi, a white blotched river ray pup. Raylet? It's really cute. It's really small. And y'all, I actually got to see Kiwi when I was there visiting the bentlets and seeing the pygmy hippo as well. So I, I can't quite handle all of the new cuteness at Greensboro or the fact that I've actually gotten to see all of the new cuteness at greensboro but if you are able to get to greensboro science center i highly recommend it they're a great facility you're going to hear a lot more uh, about them on the pod soon and um there are just some real cute babies of that facility right now the north carolina zoo has announced the birth of not one not two but three sand kittens sand catlets okay we i guess we could keep kittens I highly recommend you go to at NC Zoo or the North Carolina Zoo Facebook page and look at the ridiculous cuteness of these faces. The Caldwell Zoo in Tyler, Texas, has welcomed a new litter of cheatlets, cheetah cubs. They're really cute. And uh, I just love this. Their parents are named Orchid and Flap. Flap is such a great cheetah name. I love it so much. Anyway, uh, this is a first-time mother, and so far the cheetahs seem to be doing well, but uh, the zoo has said they're monitoring closely and will pull in hand rear if necessary because first-time cheetah moms often aren't great at it, but so far so good, so uh, yay Caldwell Zoo. The Louisville Zoo has announced that Patrice their Babarusa gave birth to a piglet and uh Babarusa piglets or boblets as I like to call them cuz I'm weird uh are really adorable. Highly recommend you go to at Louisville Zoo official and yeah I know it's Louisville but I said Louisville so you know how to type it. Um and check out the the picture of this adorable little nugget uh which they call a little baked bean and uh, They're not wrong. That's kind of what it looks like. Really cute. Really awesome. And uh, yeah, congrats to the Louisville Zoo. Or as I always like to say, they should just call it Zooaville. But they don't. They don't listen to me. And then last but not least for births this week, the Maryland Zoo has welcomed a new calf to its sitatunga herd, which I actually got to see at the zoo when I was there recently. Uh, it's really cute. They are really adorable. And I just need to point this out. Of all of the animals that I have added lit to at the end uh, because of the silly bintlet thing, sitlet might be my favorite. So, yay, Maryland Zoo, and yay, Sitlets! And speaking of babies, we already announced last week that there is a new baby gorilla at Smithsonian's National Zoo. Well, they have been able to sex said gorilla, and they now know that it is a baby girl. So, uh, if you want to go see a baby girl gorilla grow up at the National Zoo, this is your opportunity. And actually, uh, we also have a baby story out of the Lincoln Park Zoo, uh, where there is a lion cub that was born there recently uh, named Lock, that, uh that is experiencing mobility challenges, and they're not really sure why. They did some initial testing and they were all inconclusive. And as such, uh, they partnered with MedVet Chicago to do a series of advanced diagnostic tests. Currently, they are waiting for the results of these tests, but they are doing everything that they can to help out um, this this little lion. Uh, As a matter of fact, um, they had specialists in neurology, orthopedics, radiology, anesthesiology, and rehabilitation meditation, as well as getting additional radiographs, a CT, an MRI, and an epidural injection of long-acting anti-inflammatory and pain control medication, all of which Lomloka recovered well from, which is kind of amazing. And he uh, he is still with mom and littermates and uh, the rest of the Pride and seems to be doing well except for these mobility issues. So um, it's uh, just something worth keeping an eye on. And hopefully this lion does okay because, um, you know, that's what we always want. We always want what's best for the animals in zoos. Uh, but it's really cool to see the lengths that Lincoln Park Zoo is going to for just one lion. It's, it's why I love these uh, these places so, so darn much. Interestingly, uh, Lincoln Park Zoo is not the only zoo that is currently having health issues with a lion, although this one's not a lion cub. Uh, Kamaya, one of the 14-year-old African lions at Zoo New England has uh, recently had to undergo a full medical exam under anesthesia because um, he is showing all kinds of illness and decreased appetite and lethargy. And they don't really know why. Earlier this spring, uh, he was successfully treated for severe pneumonia uh, and it appeared that he had some chronic underlying health issues when they were doing that treatment. Uh, uh, but diagnostic testing has been inconclusive. So they are trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and again, this is just such a great example. Not only are they taking such good care of this lion, but just the exam that we were talking about at the beginning of this story included the collection of blood, urine, spleen, and bone marrow samples, as well as x-rays of his chest and abdomen. Uh, hopefully we know next week what's going on with this lion and are able to uh, get him back on track. And I said we there, but... Clearly, I'm not doing anything except for reporting on it, but uh, good luck to the team at Zoo New England. Zoo Atlanta has announced that uh, Lun Lun, one of their giant pandas there, is undergoing some eye treatments. Now, uh, Lun Lun is 25 years old, so she is a geriatric panda bear, and she's been at Zoo Atlanta since 1999. Um, and so far, she's having some, uh, let's call it eye abnormalities. And as such, uh, they are treating her for um, cataracts, glaucoma, and corneal disease. Uh, Lun Lun is responding well to treatments and appears to be stable and comfortable. But props to Zoo Atlanta for doing great vet work and also for being transparent about it. Um, it's very cool to see. And uh, they are collaborating with uh, colleagues at the base in Chengdu, China. Uh, so yeah, there. This, this is a bear that's getting the best care possible in the world, and it's, it's two countries coming together to take care of Lun-Lun. I love that. And last but not least, for zoo news this week, um, there is a crocodile, a Nile crocodile, uh, that lives at a zoo in Costa Rica— that has impregnated herself in a virgin birth scenario, also known as a parthenogenesis. And this is the first time that this has ever been seen in a crocodile, which is really cool. Uh, So, you know, there's obviously not a male there, uh, so they know that she wasn't able to get pregnant. But also, the fetus is 99.9% genetically identical to the mother. Now, in case you're wondering how it's possible that in 2023, uh, a crocodile is learning how to do this when they are a wildly old species, um, the truth is that it's very likely that crocodiles have been able to reproduce through parthenogenesis for a long time, and that there are cases of it happening, but that it's never been searched for in crocodiles, and they're not a super well-researched species, so we just didn't know that this was a thing. But either way, it's a it's a very cool thing. Um also feels a little end times with uh, everything else going on right now, but but pro- probably not. Probably not. Probably this is just a thing that crocodiles can do, and now we know it because of zoos. Yay! Stereotypical animal podcast theme song. Here to bring you to conservation news. <laughs> Okay, so this is a bleak story, but it's also kind of fascinating. Um, We keep discovering species of animals and plants that are extinct. Now, how is that possible? Well, it turns out that uh, many museums and botanical gardens and other things like that have— um just a really big backlog of stuff that they collected and that went into their collections and then was never really analyzed or looked at and now more and more scientists are going into those collections and analyzing and looking at those things and guess what they're finding that there are all kinds of species of of animals and plants and you know different kinds of bees and insects all kinds of stuff that uh existed kind of during, like, modern times, and were collected, but uh, no longer exist. By the time we got to even examining these collections, they had already gone extinct. And this is not only just kind of fascinating— But it's really worth noting because, you know, we talk about the number of species that are going extinct and there are all kinds of stats thrown around like a species goes extinct every day and stuff like that. Um, And there are people who are saying that we are in a period of a great mass extinction. Uh, And it turns out that those stats might actually be worse than we know, because for us to know that a species has gone extinct, we have to know that it existed. And that's even ignoring the idea of the fact that maybe we didn't understand how different species were different from each other? Okay, I didn't explain that really well, um, but I'm going to. Uh, so, you know, just over the lifespan of this podcast, we have gone from red pandas being one species with two subspecies to doing genetic testing and realizing that there are actually two different species of red panda, which mean that both of those species have a significantly smaller population than the one that we thought we had because obviously you take that number and divide by two. I mean, you know, the odds are that um, the Fulgens and the Styani are not split 50-50, but you get what I'm saying, right? If if there are 8,000 red pandas left in the world, and it turns out that there are 4,000 Fulgens and 4,000 Styani, that means that there are 4,000 of each species instead of 8,000 or whatever the numbers may be. right? Um, and so, yeah, not only are we discovering you know, entirely new species that we didn't even realize we had collected, but also if we were then to go in and do genetic testing, how many of those would actually be multiple species beyond that? And how much more speciation would we see? And how many more species would we discover that we've already lost? It's crazy to think about and and really really sad and scary but also uh gives me hope in a weird sort of way because we are definitely documenting things more than we ever have and we have iphones and uh androids i guess for you android people and uh, the different things with amazing cameras and iNaturalist apps and all of those kinds of things and so there's all kinds of citizen scientist projects that are helping us identify species and figure this stuff out so we are actually in a time of really positive news that is bordering this really sad news but like Hey, I'll take it that's that's certainly uh certainly some silver lining if if nothing else and that's always a beautiful thing right but yeah, lots of species are gone that we didn't even know existed because they're in collections and we just didn't realize weird a controversial multi-year experiment being done on whales in Norway has been suspended after a whale drowned. Uh, so this is kind of interesting. Um, the Norwegian Defense Research Establishment, each summer since 2021, has tried to capture minke whales in uh, an archipelago in a C-pen and then submit those whales to hearing tests before releasing them into the wild again. Now, it might sound really weird to you, but the idea behind this is that if we can understand what whales do and don't hear, we can, in Sure that boats and other human things in the water that are striking them and that they're running into and having all kinds of issues with uh, will emit those frequencies so that whales will hear them and be more aware of them and more likely to dodge them. It's 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 kind of a cool idea, but it's super not working well. Uh, In three years of working on this project, they have completed zero hearing tests. Zero, Um, and that is because whales that go into these sea pens tend to freak out or tend to escape, or in a recent experience, uh, bad weather damaged the project testing site, causing a barrier line to break free. A whale became entangled in it and died. So zero hearing tests, but one whale death. So, yeah, I'm glad that that is suspended. I love the idea behind it, but this clearly isn't working. Um, and now a whale has died because of it. But I'm going to take this a step further. Y'all, that is the same kind of sea pen that these people are claiming they're going to build in the Pacific Northwest for Toki. Or I guess they're claiming is already being built because they're saying that Toki will be released in September. No, 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 no. Whales apparently aren't doing well in sea pens. Also, sea pens can break and kill whales. Like, what are we talking about here? On top of all the other issues now, there's another reason to avoid uh, this just ridiculous plan. Hopefully someone at the Dolphin Company or Jim Irsay or somebody is paying some form of attention to this. Please let's let's not do this. Right. Right. Yeah. Let's not do this. I've said this on the podcast before, and I am going to say it again. I think it's really sad that octopodes tend to die after a very short lifespan because they are amazing and intelligent, and I've gotten to meet a few now, and it's always a wildly cool experience. However, it's also probably a good thing for humanity because octopodes would absolutely like run this planet and enslave us if they had long lives because they are just so much cooler and so much smarter than humans. It's just ridiculous. And honestly, we didn't even know how cool they were until recently. A new study has shown that some octopuses can actually edit the RNA in their brains on a massive scale allowing themselves to uh, keep a clear head in both warm waters and cool waters. As they shift through these drastic temperatures, they alter the RNA in their brains to adapt to it and to not only survive, but thrive in both types of water. That is... Insane. They are aliens. I, 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 I know they're not literally aliens, but they are aliens, and I just want to say officially that I welcome our octopus overlords, and I humbly submit myself as your servants, because this is just the latest in the insane number of cool things that this species does, or, well, this group of species, better than, like, anything ever, Octopodes are amazing. Octopuses are the coolest. They are just, just wow. Just wow, y'all. And last but not least in conservation news, a wild wolverine has been spotted in California for the first time in a century. So that's really awesome, and hopefully is a sign that there are some other wild wolverines out there. And No, I'm not talking about the Marvel Comics character. Yes, I know he's coming back for Deadpool 3, and I'm very excited. Uh, But we're talking about the actual animal wolverines, which, by the way, if you've never seen them walk, they lope. They, like, really lope. It's really adorable. I highly recommend that you check it out. And I guess that means that if they were going to go get married, they might Lope to elope? Oh uh, boy, I don't know. I guess uh, Wolverines cantaloupe. No, wait, that's a fruit. Anyway, it's time for other news. It's time for other news. Hey, you no, know, right now, then right now it's time. It's time for other news. Hey, it's a segue to the Poggart. All right. So I know that I've mentioned it before, but I'm going to say it again. If you see baby wildlife, you know, something that would end with the lits, um laying around, do not mess with it. Do not pick it up. Do not think it is alone unless you really seriously have a reason to think that, like you can see an injury or like there's a parent laying dead next to it or something like that. Many times animals leave their babies to go collect food and stuff like that, trusting that the babies will be hidden away enough to not get, uh, you know, a predator attack in the time that they're gone or whatever. Um, and if you pick up and move the baby, you're taking it away from the parent, and uh, it's it's going to have a tougher time living. So friendly reminder about that in general. And what brings it on is that recently, two different things, two different things have happened at Yellowstone that drive me absolutely crazy. First of all, there was a bison calf that um, a person saw uh, and thought, "Uh uh-oh, this calf might be in trouble, and so picked it up and moved it. And guess what? The herd wouldn't take it back, and now the bison calf has died that's right this man while trying to do the right thing and and I get it I feel bad for him um while also wishing that he was better educated but um you know he, he, the bison calf is dead now because of this human and also Um, A baby elk was recently picked up and put into a car because uh, people saw it and were like, oh, we need to help this baby elk because it is a baby and its mother is not around. They put it in a car. They took it to a police station. The police were like, y'all are idiots. And uh, the baby elk ran outside, but its condition is unknown. They don't know if it was still on milk. They don't know what's going on. Um, It ran off and has not been found. So hopefully it survived. Hopefully, uh, I guess... They might have found the body if, if it didn't. But don't mess with baby wildlife. I get it. I get that we want to help. But, like, it, it, it's just not helping. It's just not. But, hey, at least those people have good intentions. Uh, unlike in this next story, uh, the NOAA is offering a $5,000 reward for information that leads to the successful prosecution of people who chose to intentionally kill a Hawaiian monk seal on Oahu Island back in March. It was uh, killed by blunt force trauma. This is a monk seal. This is insane to me. Uh, People are just gross, and I don't have a better story to tell you Uh, Other than that, it's it's really sad. I feel like we started with with sad news and now we're back into sad news. And I apologize for that. But it is important news. And it's important to realize that this is what is happening in our world sometimes. So sorry, sorry. But um, if you have any information on this, uh, you can get a reward. That's a real small silver lining, though, isn't it? But okay, we are going to end on something a little bit happier, which is that research has recently shown that humans and sharks can swim near each other peacefully, like a lot, like more than we ever expected. Sharks. And surfers and swimmers can coexist peacefully most of the time. Uh, This was a study done by California State University, uh, and they used drones to study sharks along the Southern California coastline and how close they swim to humans in the water. And uh, it turns out it's pretty close like almost within the bite radius most of the time. And um, in the 26 speeches that were surveyed repeatedly between January 2019 and March 2021, they saw an absolute boatload of sharks swimming very close to humans and not a single reported or recorded shark bite, not one. So uh, it turns out that uh, Jaws really missed the mark. Animal, animal, animal holidays. All right, and that brings us to our animal holidays for the week. And it is June, which is Zoo and Aquarium Month, World Oceans Month, and Orca Month. And uh, we start off with Friday, June 9th, which launches World Sea Turtle Week, which runs all this week. And you know, I love this week. The 12th is Cougar Day, and the 13th is Pigeon Day. And even though the 16th is technically next week, I just need to point out that it is World Sea Turtle Day, which is really weird since World Sea Turtle Week runs the 9th to the 15th, and then World Sea Turtle Day is the 16th. I don't know, y'all. I don't make up the days. I just report them. But those are your animal holidays for the week. All right. And there you have it, folks. Another week of Raw Safari Zoo News is recorded and going to be released on time, even though, boy, oh boy, did I start this one late. So yay, go team. I would like to say thank you to my Red Panda-level patrons, Laura Shank, Kristen Dickey, and Stephen Williamson. And, uh, in fact, to all of my patrons, y'all rock. Don't forget that you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month by going to patreon.com slash Safari. And I'd also like to thank everyone who contributed stories to this week's episode of Zoo News. Anya Keen, Colleen Lenahan, Kim Cooley, Carrie Kirkpatrick, Kevin Williams, Laura Shank, Jay Meredith, Becca Robinson, Mary Blair, Marianne Rossi, Sam Evans, Emily Rockbuck, Mark Hansen, Ken Tryon, not Tyrion, sorry I did that the first time, Ken, Stephen Williamson, and Liz Dunleavy. And remember, friends, the words newsy credits backwards are steiderk when. The Rossifari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Rossi. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at RossafariPod at gmail.com. Safari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo. Lethargy. Lethar- leth- lethargy. Le- le- lethargy. Lethargy. Lethargy? Lethargy. Lethargy.